The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. We bring in our favorite Husker NFLer and agent, Jeremiah Searles, in his Husker Den. If you're watching, you see the Husker helmet, the Viking helmet. And as he moves to his right, we got Carolina up top. And then, rest in peace, San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. So, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm finally getting the chance to take a breath here as recruiting season for me winds down a little bit. And I let all my, all my little birds fly free as they head to training camp. So, uh, it's been good, uh, uneventful, which is always good this time of year, and just getting really excited for some preseason football. Yeah, you've got the NFL in action tonight. Nebraska is trudging forward early on in their fall camp. Uh, take me back to uh, a younger Searles and dorm life, and you hear that 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 commitment to uh, to kind of embrace the suck, right? Mm-hmm. You grind together during camp and. Let's start with camp and how maybe it opened your eyes. Maybe you were ready for it. I don't know. Uh, I'm interested to, to that move into the uh, the dorms with you. Yeah, so they're all they're all in Selleck dorms right now, which is near and dear to my heart. That's where they dropped us off. That's where <laughs> they dropped us off in college in June when we all showed up as freshmen and we went in there and it was us, the blind kids, and the foreign exchange <laughs> kids. That's that's who was on campus in summertime there. And uh, so watching them all move back into the dorms brought back some memories for me of young Searles trying to figure out his life there at Selleck Dormery. But, you know, there is something about embracing the suck, you know, even in even in NFL. You know, I loved when we went to camp in NFL and we went to the dorms like when I was in Mankato, when I was in Buffalo, like we went to dormitories, we went to colleges and we stayed in dorms like and I enjoyed it because there is something about, you know, everyone's equal. There, there is no, like, this guy's going home to his penthouse. I'm going home to the hotel, right? Like, we're all in this together. We're all eating the same food. We're all doing this. So, like, let's just all work really hard and get through this. So, I love it. I'm all about it. You know, I know that Coach uh, Coach Rule came from Carolina, so he put them all in the dorms there in Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, the hottest place on earth. You can't <laughs> convince me otherwise. Um, you know, so I'm all about it. I love it. So it was last night we saw a video, Malachi Coleman, some of the other receivers pranking Coach Garrett McGuire. And I got to ask, from your time at Selleck, who was the prankster? Was it you? Or, or were there any good pranks that you saw pulled off during your time there? Dude, funny enough, we actually did that prank to a friend. And we called it the Dixie because we used Dixie cups. We put, over a, we put over 500 Dixie cups full of water in one of the swimmers, in one of the swimmers uh, dorm rooms because she was a prank war. After the spring game, she actually wrapped my entire truck in pink wrapping paper. <laughs> and, like, we, we had a pretty good prank war going back and forth um, through that whole time, you know. But as far as as far as far dorm life, like, I just can remember, you know, you, you have a – you come home and your RA is yelling at you because it's too loud in the middle of the night or whatever it may be. But that's the kind of stuff that you get to do in the dorms. You don't get to do anywhere else. You know, when you move to those apartment-style dorms that the players are in now – you know, you kind of lose some of that stuff to it. So, yeah, I, we had some pranks going on back and forth, but, you know, I think that's pretty funny. Were they 
borderline evil, uh, and who is the mastermind here? So they weren't evil, you know. One maybe so, a bad maybe a bad choice of words. Yeah, not evil. They were all in good fun. Um, you know, they were all in good fun. But Lydia Ridgway was the swimmer. Nick Ash and Ron Kellogg were the ones on our side. And, you know, and so we had some good ones. The worst one she got me with is so I stole a traffic cone one time and had it, in the back of, had it in the back of my truck. And she actually got a, like a Lincoln, Nebraska letterhead, like from the police department, typed up that I was fined like $2,500 and like put it in my car because I had it in the back of my truck, like put it on and like filmed the whole thing as I was like freaking out. Like, I can't pay this like going on. So that was that was where we called it even uh, after that one because I was pretty panicked after that one. So she did win the war. Man, what was it? What was the parking cone for? I don't remember. I think I used it. I think I used to use it to save me, save me a spot. <laughs> like I think I used to like back out and throw the parking cone down in in the spot so that I could always have a spot when that's I came genius. back. That's genius. That's a good yeah, one. I think that's what I, I mean. Honestly, I think that's what freshman Jeremiah did. So you know, parkings are commodity around here. That was pretty good. Searles uh, season's going to be here before we know it. Minnesota is waiting, and uh, a lot put on this offensive line things have been said uh, things are also remembered uh, with this o-line group and uh, they're trying to put their best foot forward we talk about the o-line a ton uh, we heard from scott earlier today and uh, he also uh, from turner earlier as things shape up and you know what nebraska wants to do and we, we talked identity a couple weeks ago you know are you feeling all right with you know where nebraska wants to go to be run first that's a great want but can it actually be a reality that 75 yards in the fourth quarter that that uh benchmark is also a, again a great number but can it be done in the big 10 yeah it has to be you know you look at recent recent success of the teams that are not ohio state in the big 10 is because they've had a great running game right they've had the ability to finish games in the fourth quarter with the ball in their hands they've had the ability to convert third and ones and fourth and ones where it's that high red where it's not quite field goal range but you don't really want to punt like those all rely on the run game especially as you get late into november right i think of teams like minnesota iowa the wisconsin's of old even purdue you know at times they really just had the ability to line up and just pound it up the middle and i think rules looked at what the big 10 is enough he understands that you know your offense is built around your offensive line and we've got some good backs with gabe irvin and and Grant and Ramir, and you know, we have some guys back there that have proven to be very good, effect, effective ball carriers. You know, so you want to lean on those guys, especially when you have a quarterback coming in that's never been in big red territory before, right? Like he's never played in the Big Ten. The ACC is pretty much a joke compared to the Big Ten, if you ask me. You know, so he's going to be put in some pressure situations. So anytime you can take some pressure off of him and his arm, because I mean, even at Georgia Tech, he was a 55, 57% completion guy. You don't want to ask him to throw the ball 60 times. That's not what you want out of a guy like that. You want to use him to throw the ball sparingly, but let him use his legs in the zone read game, let us use his legs in the quarterback option game, all those things. And that all comes from having a really good running game and good blocking schemes with the offensive line. It's Jeremiah Searles with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, do you worry about the, the question marks that are still in that Husker backfield with, with Jeff Sims and Anthony Grant and, and with uh, Gabe Irvin? Because Jeff Sims, we, we can assume he's going to be the starter. We don't yeah. quite sure what he's going to bring to the field. But then with that running back position, we don't know who the starter is going to be. I think there's been some momentum towards uh, Gabe Irvin within the past couple of weeks as fall camp's gotten underway. I think you can read into the fact that Gabe Irvin is the one meeting with the media today and not Anthony Grant, along with Ramir Johnson as well. But 
does that concern you as you, I mean, we've talked before on this show about building chemistry between that offensive line and the guys in the backfield. Does that concern you as it stands right now? Or is there still enough time before the first game? There's still enough time. You know, there, there's definitely still enough. The first two, two and a half weeks of camp are true position battles, right? Like you let guys go out there and you let them see, okay, A, who came into camp in great shape, who came ready to go, all right, who can pick up the quick installs? Because day one through day five install is the heaviest bulk of install, like knowledge-wise, for an offense. Right, so let's get everything installed. Let's see how everyone handles it. And then let's see who starts pulling away from the pack, right? Let's make sure everyone gets equal opportunities with the ones and the twos and the threes and rotate them through. And then you just need someone to start running away with it, right? You need someone to just start really making it very, very obvious, like I am the starting running back. And if there isn't someone that's super obvious like that, then you really kind of do running back by committee because unless you're the alpha in that room, might as well give everyone else a shot. So I'm hoping one of those guys here in the next week or so can really step up and be, take that take that leadership role and take the bell cow role and really just become the guy in that offensive in that uh, running back room. Searles, how big a punch in the face is it with Miles Farmer moving on? That's that's a tough one. Yeah, you know that that one stings um, mostly just because of the, the defense that we're going to run three three five. You want to have five DBs on the field. You want to have DBs that you know, kind of have played a lot, have a lot of experience, right? Like Miles Farmer had his flaws, but he had experience. And, you know, so not having him back there to help get things set up and do all of that, that's definitely going to hurt, you know, but leaves opportunity for some young players, leaves some opportunity for guys like Gifford. You know, I, I can think of a couple guys off the top of my head that are going to be itching to get on the field. So, you know, now it's another battle for another spot to get out there and really show some hungry guys. Searles, do you fall into the, the category of the people who believe that in year one, setting the culture and getting that right for the future is more important than getting results on the field. Cause I think that's the, the two different sides of this miles farmer argument is there's one side you're concerned because he was an experienced guy who, who's probably going to be uh, more dependable on that back end than somebody who hasn't played a lot of snaps in the big 10. But on the other hand, you have that culture setting expectation where, you know what, we're going to develop a culture here of guys that want to compete guys that want to be here and guys that do it the right way. And we're going to put a guy in the field that does it the right way and competes. Which side of that coin are you on? Oh, I'm fully on the culture side fully because you know you have to show that no one is above the standard or no one is above it right like mm -hmm. their standard is here and like just because you played a lot of football just because you've done a lot of things doesn't mean you get to get away with more right that's not how it works the standard is set for everyone and granted I'll say this Miles Farmer isn't he's not Nadamakan Sue he's not Levante David Randy Gregory like he's not this guy that's going to be a true complete game changer you know some of those guys and you know what it's not fair life's not fair but if you're really really good at football you can get away with a lot more stuff, right? You just can't. And so, like, yeah, there's this, but, like, as a new coach and the way it's set, you have to show everyone that, like, this is the way, this is how we do things. And I think as much as it hurt for that, I think Coach Rule had to set an example. Did uh, rules get bent that often for some of those game changers during your era? In, in the NFL, yes. College, no. Um, not while I was there, but in the NFL, oh yeah, there's there's always a lot more grace when the more dollar signs you have behind your name. Yeah, I won't ask you to name the grace. That's okay. <laughs> Searles, with I, I was us. thinking about it. I was thinking about it, and I said we're not going to get it out. Of I him, can are we? I can no probably chance. I can throw out about five names, and we'll just nod silently together. Yeah. Blink so, twice if you need help. <laughs> Searles is in a hostage situation. Uh, so let's. Talk about what really connected with you. There's been a lot of emphasis and effort, Searles, by the coaching staff to spend time with the the, the, the kids and uh, the players and, and really get to be with them on a personal level. And then 
show they care, mean it, be sincere, and then have that translate to action on the field. Uh, tell me a little bit about Coach Garrison, Mr. Garrison, and, and Coach Cotton, how they really connected with you. Yeah, you know, it was a little different back then um, with the fact that they could only have like one meal a year where they could like pay for it and bring us to their house, right? Like, and so there's always one time a year where Coach Barney or Coach Garrison would have like barbecue catered mm-hmm. in and we'd all come over to the house. And we'd all hang out and, and do that. But like majority of the time was just them being around, right? They just, they'd be around at practice at, or at practice at workouts, like, and their door was always open. So, you know, you could come up and check in on them and they'd check in on you, right? Like it was just very much, they, they just, they, they were kind of handcuffed a little bit more by the rules back then uh, versus now I'm pretty sure there's a lot, lot more leniency for how much you can pay for and how much you can do and how much you can incorporate players and coaches and events, right? Um, you know, so it was a little different then, but, you know, but the one thing I always knew with Garrison and Cotton and even Pelini was they always had my back because they made it very apparent that like, as long as you don't back me into a corner, I will have your back, right? Like if you back me into a corner where I have no option, but to not be able to defend you, then you did that to yourself, but they just made it always so clear that they had our backs. And I think that that's what this staff is trying to do as well is that's how you do it. when you make those personal relationships with the players and the coaches like you can really when someone says I got you like you can really believe that. Searles in terms of turning that that trust into wins and losses how important is that on game day? It's huge you know you got to understand like hey coach is going to put me in the right position but I also like if I have a lot of faith in my coach I want to show out for him so that he doesn't get his ass chewed by the D coordinator and so on and so forth right like you put trust in each other and then you want to play well for each other, right? Those coaches, man, they, they love those kids that are out there. They want to put them in the best position to succeed, right? They want to give them the most opportunity to make the play. And, you know, that just comes to the trust factor where even if sometimes there's a disagreement, right? Having a disagreement is going to happen in football, right? Tempers run hot. Emotions run hot on game day. But having that mutual respect to where that disagreement doesn't turn into a temper tantrum or it doesn't turn into a blow up, like it can be handled in a respectful way. That's really important, too, and that's going to be something that's going to happen this year. It just is. New staff. No one knows how this staff operates on game day as a player. No one knows how a certain player all of a sudden goes from Jekyll to Hyde you know, during, during a game or whatever it may be. Like, There's going to be some growing pains in that, but if you can fall back on the foundation of trust and respect that you've built throughout this offseason, then that's going to really be where that can then learn and grow and come from. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So, P.J. Fleck. What did you think of him at Big Ten Media Days as he responded to the Colt accusations? Elite. Um, You know, I think it's hard for me. I I have a little bit of a tainted view. You know, I have a lot of respect for Fleck and what he's done up there because obviously I I represent two Gopher players. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but there are stories that I've heard that make me question certain things of Coach Fleck. You know, the... Um, the fact that he has to be applauded when he walks into his team is that serious? Room, that's a real thing. I, I've no seen, way. I, I feel comfortable saying that because I've read enough articles about it. Like it's out there in the real world. Um, you know, like they he's gets stood up and applauded on his way into the um, team meeting room. <laughs> that's been you know, since but, like Western Michigan. That's been yeah, that was the thing that started well, but that's in Western, like, but like, like naming, giving yourself a nickname. You know, you want the you want it authentically, organically the applause. You know, I'll say this: if what if what was come if what has come out about him is true, he will be fired. They, so the fact that none of it has been kind of backed by a lot of fact right now makes me think that you know it is. But at the same time, I do think that what he sells and what he does is somewhat cultish. But it's a lot of just the culture that he's built, and people have bought in. And it's why they win games. 
You know, like they're not winning 12 games every year, but they're sure winning a lot more games than a lot of teams out there in the country. Mm. You know, but I'll say this, and I'll end with this. I think all that stuff is great, but as soon as you start losing games, the gimmick wears off quick. The gimmick wears off quick of rowing the boat and reading everybody poops and all that stuff. Like, that all wears off when you're all of a sudden six and six. You're like, wait, why the hell am I doing this again? So it'll be curious to see how that team does this year because they don't have the talent as a, on a as an offensive line or defensive line, but they do have some really good skill position players this year. Searles, we'll get caught up again soon. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. I absolutely appreciate you guys. Go Big Red.